Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. This is Asia Tech Podcast. My name is Graham Brown. We are in the Startup O headquarters in Singapore. I'm joined by two esteemed guests, the partners, the founders of Startup O, sitting around the table here. A familiar face, Anuj. Good Graham. to see you. Welcome. Very good to see you. Welcome to our office. Yeah. Anuj Dane, if you don't know this guy, you, you'll know the name. He's, I, I think, when we'll come to the context of the awards, it's like everybody knows you. <laughs> so I think it's a good thing in the context of the startup ecosystem. So we'll talk a little bit about your background and also startup as well. So we'll go there. But also over here, first time that we've met, Nitin. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and it's a pleasure, Graham. Yeah, it's good to meet you as well. So the common connection here is you're both from Delhi. Absolutely. Did you know each other before? No, we met in Singapore actually around right. 2002. Right. When we came to Singapore, yeah. Yeah, and you've been in Singapore for how many years? Both now? of us are, uh, we landed in 2002, I think. Okay. So what was the reason for you both coming to Singapore? How did that happen? I think we hung out at the same bars when we first met, <laughs> but I think we came due to different paths. Right. Uh, I, I moved here with uh, my then employer, which was uh, a bank that moved me from Hong Kong to Singapore. Right. And I think Anuji were moving from Delhi, right? So, yeah, I was also moving from Delhi and I moved for a very peculiar reason. And I think 9-11 at that time was pretty uh, instrumental because one of the companies that I was building under uh, uh, Wipro Right. One of the first ISPs and all, they closed down after the 9-11, you know, shifts in corporate structures. And my wife was having a project here. So Mm -hmm. I just landed for three, four months of break and roaming around. And then it happened. So the serendipity played a part and, uh, you know, landed into starting a business here at that time. Right. So the plan wasn't actually to come and move here. You were just going to come and check it out. The plan was not to move here. Yeah. The plan was just to, 18 years know, later. Yeah. And then you just, you know, one thing lead to another. And, yeah. uh, and, and Singapore had been very kind and very inspiring for our journeys. Yeah, absolutely. Especially doing what you do as an ecosystem, as a place to connect with people. It's absolutely. fantastic. I mean, I moved here for a similar reason. You want to be surrounded yeah. by like-minded people, absolutely. right? You know, whether it's investors or startup founders. It's not the cheapest place in the world to bootstrap a startup, but if you want access to capital and a certain type of startup founder, it's all here, right? And it's a vantage point as well for the rest of the But you know, I tell a lot of entrepreneurs who always say that it's a very costly place to start a business, and it is, no doubt about it, but tell me another country where you can have eight to ten meetings back to back. Yeah. And the productivity is up the wazoo. And I mean, you go to Bangkok or Mumbai or Jakarta, after two meetings, you're just yeah, yeah. done. You can do one a day in Jakarta. It's five so, hours across town. So right? Nathan and I discuss over, uh, you know, uh, many discussions that whatever we have created in the last three years at Startup World would have taken at least five to six if we were in any other place. Yeah. So, so think of the cost, yeah. Absolutely. So you started Startup O three years ago. Right. What, what was the genesis of, can you tell us? Who pitched who? Was it over a beer? Was it in a bar? What was the idea? Who's, who came up with the idea? Well, do you want to go ahead? No, no, I think you should. You've got this. No, so yeah. uh, th- this whole uh, thing was uh, I, I, what we're proud of. It's built from the first principles and this built from our individual journeys. What we have uh, looked into it, we have not, uh, you know, uh, looked into a model somewhere else and thought, okay, let's also do mm-hmm. it. It's pretty cool to do this. But, uh, I mean, just a little bit background about myself, uh, after spending almost 20 years in FMCG companies like Procter & Gamble, GSK, 
uh, Wipro and then I was since, you know, uh, last uh, many years in Asia working as a head of marketing for BIC, which is a French-American company. Mm. And that allowed me to learn a lot about markets and go to market in building businesses, products, channels, right from markets like Japan to Jakarta. So had a had a great experience at that doing that. But at the same time, when, when I was bitten by the bug of, you know, possibilities in the new world, I made a transition from the world of pipelines to platforms mm. in around 2012 end and uh, created my own startup. And much like many corporate dropouts, did all the mistakes that were possible. But I think this ecosystem was very kind to me. Mm. At the same time, I learned by walking the walk, uh, you know, pains that founders go through. It's not about sometimes what you're doing or what you're creating, but who you know mm. is, is, is more important. And 80% of your time is wasted as a founder by schmoozing, networking, and, you know, uh, not focusing on your, what we learned in the traditional industry focus on the product, customer, and, mm. uh, you know, mm. on your team. But your time was going uh, completely odd. So that learning kind of stayed with me. At the same time, the ecosystem was kind, and I got involved with the branded VC to scale one of their F&B SaaS company in Southeast Asia that allowed me to transition and actually successfully scale to some extent and that, that, that venture, where I learned that it's not about the tech, but it's about the commercialization mm. aspect of this that, that, that works quite, uh, quite fine. But also on the weekends, I was uh, uh, pretty blessed to have worked very closely with 160 plus founders that had trained through a structured boot camp over a three-year period. And, and those weekends were very special for me where I really learned not only that founders are having this problem, but investors are finding this ecosystem very opaque to access who are the promising ones. So the problem is not one, you know, one-sided, which is generally a myth. It's also investors are not finding, uh, they have a lot of availability bias. Where they are, who they know, the same thing, right? It's the industry is very opaque. It's not available in the listed market, for example. So when we looked at it, this whole vision of uh, a platform approach where not only the founders get a very fair chance, and these are I'm talking about authentic founders, skin in the game, creating great solutions, they need to, you know, uh, have a way to, to prove themselves mm. to maybe other entrepreneurs who understand it better, but also for investors to have a more transparent and an objective way to build a portfolio in this asset class, which is usually expressed through random sharpshooting as an angel mm. investor, or even family offices and institutions we are seeing have the similar problem. So this vision was, uh, was there. Uh, it came out of real experience, working as a founder, training founders, investing, and scaling companies. And then at that point of time, when I was going around, I met my dear friend, Nitin, who is a prolific investor himself and, 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 and a go-to guy for you know advice on entrepreneurship and, and especially in fintech space. I let him speak about it at that time when I was just you know thinking broad in terms of the whole vision and the pain and the process that's required. Mm. He really helped me guide and shape the whole uh, platform thinking uh, to the next level. So, you know, instead of in investing into this, I said, why don't we join hands and like, let's build it together. And that's how the journey began. Yeah. That's and right. I love the fact that the way you talk about the story is that there's this real, you understand what's broken in the industry. You know, you understand that there is a marketplace here that you've got people on either side of the marketplace. And interestingly as well, I'd like to explore that a little bit. It's not a one-sided problem. I mean, we tend, the way things are set up 
I mean, we look at, for example, how people envisage like pitch competitions. Mm. And it, it tends to be a one-sided problem, but most early stage investors, I suppose, we're dealing with individuals and angels to an extent, are individuals. And they, right. yeah, they, they spend a lot of money joining angel networks. Right. And, you know, we, we can have a discussion about that as well <laughs> in terms of return on their investment. But I think they're all trying to seek out resources and access to information that they don't have because they're Absolutely. individuals. Yeah. Not all of them do it full time as well. Yeah. And a lot of them do it quite emotionally. Mm, you know, absolutely. Like, I believe in you and your startup and I want to back you. Show me the pitch deck, yeah. right? Which is really sort of the logical post-rationalization of it. But I guess the challenge is, is that, you know, they need those resources and they don't have them. And there's nothing right. out there. Absolutely. So I like the fact that you, you sort of positioned it as a two-way problem rather than just it's a problem with startups pitching in the old sort of going to your bank for a loan mm. style model. We're not there, right? So... You started this three years ago? Right. And how did you get that started? Did you go back to the, the – where did you start? Did you go to the investors? Did you go to the startups? How did you get this thing moving? Because you're building a platform. Right. You need <coughs> both sides of the model to make it work, right? right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to your point, uh, Graham, I think uh, one thing that was very clear to us was, like you said, we need both sides at some level. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, what we didn't want to sort of go down the path of is becoming a bit of a crowdfunding marketplace mm. or something like that. What we felt was that if we could, uh, you know, create a strong enough process for being able to assess the startups, right? And that's really where we felt there was the the, the, the bottleneck was because if you look at the if you look at the industry as a whole, right? The number of new launches is proliferating. Mm. Right? The mm. cost of launching a new company has fallen to all-time lows. More and more corporate dropouts are, you know, leaving their desk jobs and you know becoming entrepreneurs. Um, and there's a huge new entry of startups happening every year, right? Parallelly, the number of people that want to access this marketplace, even institutions, has grown, right? And uh, uh, more capital is also flowing into this. But the pinch point was the allocators. And if you think about the traditional problem of a seed stage allocator, it's always really been capacity. You know, mm -hmm. you tend to be a specialist in artificial intelligence or a specialist in IoT or a specialist in agri-tech. And then, you know, you have a three or four man team that can sort of, you know, help you figure out, you know, enough early stage uh, opportunities. But then sometimes you can become a victim of your own success. Yeah. If somebody yeah. takes you from a $20 million pocket to a $200 million pocket. It's not as if you can get 10 times the number of qualified resources to be able to do this, right? Yeah. So we felt that this allocation point was pinched and therefore curation was the problem. Mm. And so we first went out and while we were talking to potential investors and we were talking to startups, we had to put down a methodology of how to transparently, data-driven fashion, mm. rank or curate these startups. But once you have that, you know, that curation engine in place, then both effects start sort of, you know, accelerating mm. because mm. a startup gets a very, when, when, they, when they interact with our curation process, they get a very clear idea as to why they didn't get the money. And that's a big difference. Right. So you're closing the feedback loop. We're closing that. the feedback loop for them, right? Yeah. Parallelly, because each time we, because we created a process which was, you know, uh, algorithmic and data driven, but where the inputs were coming from experienced entrepreneurs themselves, mm. i.e., Qualitative inputs were first becoming quantitative and then the algos were working. Uh, you know, the investors also got enough comfort mm. that, you know, this is something that has been cross-referenced mm. across a whole cohort of, uh, of people and not one investment at a time. Yeah. 
So I think the ability for investors and institutional investors now uh, to start looking at this seriously emerged from the fact that we were not going after absolute ratings. We were we had a process and we had like a relative rating, right? We had the curve, we sliced off the right tail, and that was what was an offer for the investors. We are like the Morningstar ratings for startups, if, 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 if you may. Yeah, yeah. And that's a very high-integrity product mm. where these startups, each startup that is selected, and the selection is also very institutional. We have now 20-plus institutional partners from 15 different countries, so it's a very diversified funnel at the top itself, mm. which is further pre-curated in the local markets. And, and, and the networks of experts who are seasoned entrepreneurs and domain experts they themselves are pretty active and known people in their in their little universes uh, physically right mm. it's a very fragmented geography so the deal flow that comes uh, are already kind of pre-curated and then we further uh, filter it down based on do they have early revenues or signs of strong traction or a mm. significantly different idea with some good teams mm. and allow roughly you know 60 to 75 companies to participate and now, mind you, that at the entrance or the starting line itself, these companies are pretty strong. They're authentic entrepreneurs with skin the game, created something, having two to three years of you know play already done. And they have playbooks, early playbooks, but still they're in the death valley where they need capital and they need networks to amplify themselves or to replicate their playbooks. That's a perfect stage where Startup O as a platform and the networks that we have can really help these entrepreneurs. Mm. And and that's how what Nitin mentioned about a very structured process, which is a high integrity process because neither Nitin nor me or anybody from our team actually contaminate with our biases and our limitations uh, during the process is mm. going on. Mm. We as a venture capital only meet the top, you know, or in, interact with the top 10 uh, output uh, of the high merit companies but they had a fair chance to prove themselves to the other entrepreneurs who have walked the walk before. Mm. So this is the process. And then the venture capital part starts where the legal, financial, diligence and personal founder interactions take place to for, from the IC side and, and basically make investments. So it's a systematic investing in high traction startups proposition yeah. by blending art and science. Yeah. The art is important in early stage because you need a lot of know-how and experience which all the experts and the entrepreneurs bring to the platform. And the science of algorithms, as Nitin mentioned, which is a very, very interesting data-driven process. And finally, we don't leave at allocation of capital because we get involved with the same network uh, you know, to mobilize behind these high-ranked companies to build these ventures, mm. to open doors for them. And in a manner where everybody's incentives are aligned. Mm. So there's something which is the whole value chain approach versus just point-in-time sharpshooting. To your earlier point that angel investors with their true expressions to get involved, but because of the availability bias and opacity in the universe and lack of information, even if they have these portfolios, but they don't have either the rights or wherewithal to help them grow, and then 90% of so-called myth is that your money will be, will be wasted is something of a myth because yeah. there is an art and science of doing it, but people don't know about it. Yeah. And how, how important that is, you mentioned it as well, Nitin, about being a victim of success mm. that you know if you're a successful entrepreneur and you've had an exit mm. you think you know yeah. what makes a successful exit you may have the art mm. but even i find this myself as an entrepreneur is that i'm constantly checking my own blind spots yeah. even if it's a small thing like looking at marketing data or saying yeah i think this would work All right and then you find out that was a completely you know the dumb <laughs> thing to do but the data is challenging you mm. right and mm. that's 
the challenge, I guess, is if you're new and you're starting out, mm. then you've got to right. have a, you know, it's a blank slate. Mm. You've got to absorb everything. If you're successful, 20 years under your belt, mm. you know, there's that little bit of yeah, a tendency. And this, uh, you know, when you look at angel investors, mm. this is the challenge, isn't it? It's that they can walk in and then this 90% failure becomes a reality, mm. right? Because they're just investing on sample bias or, you know, the availability bias or, yep. Absolutely. From here. But the good and the bad news is it's not only angel investors, even family offices we're meeting, uh, many family offices have the same problem. Hmm. They don't know this particular space, especially in Asia, which hmm. is an evolving ecosystem. And hence, I think what, what, what we're discussing is very relevant from investing in this tech asset class point of view as well. Hmm. But but you had a point, uh, Nitin, earlier we were discussing about the, the bias elimination aspect that we had, uh, yeah. you know, designed into the whole thing. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, the uh, the natural tendency, I think, for all of us as at the early stage is to sort of, you know, be a little overwhelmed by the number of moving parts that mm. could go right or could go wrong in a company, right? Mm. And then it's just natural human instinct to then sort of, you know, potentially on the back of prior experiences or sometimes just randomly or based on what you read yesterday, uh, you know, just find that one thing to hang a hat on, right? Is this technology defensible? Is the founder fantastic? Mm, yeah. Is the market huge? Is this problem a big one, right? And and um, what we realized was that, you know, while something like that in very well uh, trodden ecosystems, developed ecosystems can potentially work. I mean, like if I've done three AI companies and now I'm an angel investor in AI, you know, it's perfectly all right mm. for this bias to be amplified, yeah. right? Yeah. That's what top VCs are doing. That's what, uh, you know, perhaps some platforms like AngelList can afford to do because they've got some, you know, very experienced entrepreneurs do this. But Asia isn't that mature a place yet. Mm. Right. So here it's not a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the technology companies haven't even exited. Right. So otherwise they'd be available on the listed markets. But, uh, uh, um, so over here, there is this disconnect between, um, uh, you know, the people who have money and are investing actively mm. and the value or the insight embedded in that investment activity with respect to technology company right. valuation. Right. Absolutely. Right. A lot yeah. of the money here has come from traditional sectors and yeah. family offices. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, so, absolutely. and so, you know, if you, if you just follow a leader follower approach in these yeah. ecosystems, uh, you can sometimes have a blind leading blind effect mm -hmm. uh, or at least expose yourself to that risk. Right. When we look at where we are in, in Singapore, it's a quite a unique ecosystem. Yeah. In the fact that we have talent from all over the world yeah. coming here, yourselves included, obviously as a good example, right? And you, you know, and myself, <laughs> let's you know, pat ourselves on the back. Yeah. But that's a, it's a great example. If you've got a lot of you know, different opinions coming into mm. Singapore, and it's always been you know one of those um, issues leveled. And when they talk about Singapore, is that sort of lack of local entrepreneurial hustle as well. And you know that Singapore, you know, there's a lot of MNCs here. You know, why go to Singapore and start a startup? You know. Why does this make a good place for a startup founder when I can go and bootstrap mm. a startup in Chiang Mai or mm. Bali, for mm. example? And people do, right? You know, why is this a good place mm. to come and, mm. you know, and it is an expensive place to start right. a startup. And, right. you know, 
build a head office here, right? Right. What is good about Singapore? Why are yeah, you yeah, here? And why is this a place that we should watch? I mean, because bear in mind that people watching this and listening are outside of Asia right. as well. So, you know, what is it about Singapore, given that the context of the conversation Absolutely. that we're still, you know, we are sort of learning mm-hmm. here in Singapore. Mm-hmm. You know, we're behind the curve a little bit. So, sure. so I'm, you know, I can sort of, speak to one effect that uh, uh, you know we've seen over here and that is the nature of this corporate dropout uh, you know based startup right and you you may be right that this isn't the place where you can just launch a you know social uh, media product and you know uh, get millions of users overnight and things like that but remember this has been uh, you know a huge center for pooling of talent by large companies world over, right? And when some of these people step out of their jobs and set up companies in Singapore, mm. they have some amazing advantages, right? Uh, all the efficiencies that, uh, you know, we spoke about before, access to technology, and most importantly, knowledge of pain points in large companies, you Absolutely. know, operations. Yeah. So the, the, the breed of startup that Singapore is really good at developing, mm. are, you know, the small companies, they need four or five million dollars to become like 20, 30 million dollar top line companies. Not, none of them need to necessarily become 500 million dollar top yeah. line in three years, right? They're not changing the world. Then, they're, they're fixing a problem. They're fixing a problem, yeah. right? Yeah. And, 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 you know, uh, that particular segment is, again, something that Startup does very well with. Because right. so you're saying that's something you find here in Spain, in here. Singapore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. Corporate dropouts. It sounds like you're speaking in the pejorative, like dropout in the negative. So <laughs> Not because we are ourselves. We are self yeah, dropouts. Right? So let, let, let's sort of put that on the I table. Think, yeah, and, yeah. and also, I think uh, it emanated uh, from the fact that uh, Startup World for a very long time is uh, associated with college dropouts. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the right. world is finally <laughs> changing yeah. for good. But right. uh, whenever we talk about that, okay, we are in, you know, we have a thesis of systematic investing in high traction startups. The visual image that we realize that we're going to say a lot of family office mind, oh, there must be young kids. Yeah. There's a particular yeah. persona That's around right. it. There are young kids, you know, stand for dropouts and they're creating some cool app and all this stuff, which is totally wrong. Yeah. Now you see, we see so many interesting uh, you know, uh, professionals, PhDs, they're guys who have amazing domain expertise and they have unfair advantage, which we don't realize that is going to be uh, very useful for their survivability. Mm. They have certain savings all, already built in. They have network, which is a very big effect in any of the businesses, as we all know, in our entrepreneurial yeah. journey. And also uh, beyond that, they have a domain expertise much to the point that Nathan was making earlier. You're fixing a problem which you are passionate about, which you have a knowledge about, and you're not just creating another delivery app or a pizza app, which is the experience of a lot of college dropouts, nothing wrong with that. Mm. But there is this uh, also the center of, uh, you know, corporate excellence and, 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 and times are changing. The macro factors are moving out. And to be very frank, even when I used to teach, I used to say this is the best time to be alive because you can, okay. for the first time, don't have to marry, uh, you know, a rich girl with the rich father-in-law to create a business or, or take a loan from the bank. Yeah. But you can create what you want to do. Mm. So that's one. But talking about the same point, if you look at the management framework, it's suddenly coming back to me. There was something called PEST, which is like political, economic, social and technology. Mm. What's the macro thesis on that? If you see the political will here on technology, uh, you know, enabling technology startups or even going for IP-rich companies is amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We don't Without see that in, yeah. in, in many of the other countries mm. who are trying to uh, ape the same model, which is good, 
but uh, Singapore government and we work very closely with Enterprise Singapore, we work closely with ASTAR and we see the willingness of mm. people to work with partners like us is just amazing to get the feedback. On the economic front, Southeast Asia is a macro thesis that Nitin and I talk about many times. This is the best time to mm. be in Southeast Asia and Singapore is the hub. If you have if you have to set up a startup and capture not only your local market, but the whole region, this is the best place to come and actually work mm. with the whole ecosystem play. Social, melting pot of different cultures. You know, we are sitting uh, in this room, coming exactly. from, you're coming from Japan, we came yeah. from Delhi and we've traveled all over the world and all this stuff. So this is very important. Accessing talent. Mm. I've seen people that gone to low cost locations and either lack of ecosystem or lack of talent takes equal amount of time apart yeah. from the productivity thing that we discussed. And finally, technology. What is technology? It is infrastructure. It allows you to, you know, move so fast. Everything works. Mm. That's a big thing. And we, we come from India and a lot of entrepreneurs that we speak all the time, they're like closing a company, opening a company, getting a thing done. And these things are not counted. Yeah. They're not escalated in media, but that's very important in entrepreneurial yeah. life. I would highly encourage, and even with a recent uh, announcement of entry pass through partners like ourselves, a few partners are being uh, allowed. This is a huge move mm -hmm. to get the talent into Singapore and, you know, providing entrepreneur pass to them to prove that they can create an entity and, and it eases out, you know, even the visa issues and other things. Yeah, absolutely. It's fantastic. Yeah. Place. Where else in the world can you land at the airport exactly. and be home in 20 minutes? Exactly. I know, I know. I mean, exactly. that is really indicative of what, I, mean, I don't want to promise too much, but, yeah. you know, have it, obviously, you know, Delhi Airport, I've lived, gone through Heathrow many times. <laughs> yeah. So I think we get an understanding that as an entrepreneur is that you want that frictionless experience and how much energy that takes yeah, away yeah, absolutely when right. you're dealing with the, just the, that stuff, right? right? And you just want to get on and building a business as it is, is tough, right? Yeah. It ain't easy. So you don't want these sort of extras thrown in like Absolutely. visa issues and oh my God. airport technologies, <laughs> right? All right. So um, on to the, the main billing of why we're here. Let's talk about networks because recently we had an award. We had a vote for um, the ecosystem builders around Asia. So really sort of Continuing the conversation about the the Asian startup ecosystem and who is out there, because we, we do celebrate the startups a lot. They, they are the stars, right? They are, you know, the, the poster childs right. of the startup ecosystem. Yet behind the startups, there are a group of people like yourselves, and they could be funds, they could be accelerators, government programs, mm. even co-working spaces who are very proactive in supporting the startups, right? And... Um, they're not natural self-promoters, right? And they're not out there promoting what they do, yet if it wasn't for them, those startups wouldn't be where they are today, right? right? So we had an award to shine a spotlight on those ecosystem right. builders. And in that award, Startup Home, mm -hmm. they, well, they were nominated for us. That's part of the story. But it was a fair competition. I think there was a, a lot of, yeah. you know, healthy competition. And um, obviously, you know, you are very close to many of the other nominations that got in the top five, right? Yeah. I mean, and we work in collaboration. We work with yeah. them. The right? so, La French yeah, Tech yeah. as well, you know, very well. So um, I think it's all good. A bit of healthy competition as well. But let's talk about the result. Oh, before we talk about the result, let's talk about <laughs> how you got to the result. How did you guys hustle that vote? 
how did you get, I mean, we'll talk about the numbers in a minute, but <laughs> the, the, the top line, obviously the numbers, but you got 19% of all the votes. Wow. Okay. How many votes did we get? About 9,000, was it? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're not just talking about a few hundred people. And these, you know, people who are busy, this like Saturday morning, it was Sunday morning, like six, seven in the morning, people were voting in numbers <laughs> all the way up until close. How did you guys hustle that? So what was the story? What was the secret? Anuj is the guy who sort of, you know. <laughs> so I think, uh, you know, it, it was, uh, it, so I was in the control room, yes, but it was not about uh, me. I wish I had a click farm where I could yeah, yeah. <laughs> do it okay. myself. But I think it was, uh, and you know, Graham, I mean, we got nominated, then we, you know, ranked up a bit here and there, but we were not into the game at that point of time. But when we realized that our community, people are messaging and, uh, you know, they're coming around, then you get motivated also to galvanize the whole community. It was a great opportunity to, and, and as you know, Startup O is an ecosystem on a cloud. We have multiple countries, mm. many experts, founder community as well as institutional partners who are all part of this, uh, you know, vision that we are executing. So we are a very famous saying in our presentation, we're saying it took a village to raise a child. Yeah, yeah. And we were very, we are very so much in gratitude all the time for all the people who had helped us what Startup O is. And that was a great opportunity. And thanks to you to galvanize this community. And we realized that people were like, oh my God, I want to participate. I want to contribute and of course, we had to hustle. Frankly, we didn't go out physically anywhere or ask for votes. It was totally, we, we have an engaged community, let's just mm -hmm. say that, right? So it was all on WhatsApp and request and just telling them that, hey, this is something that we have done. If you feel that, you know, and you're part of the community as well. So I think the first uh, 800, 900 votes, frankly, when we we're tracking was from purely our community. Mm. And then the last moments when we realized that uh, our very worthy competitor, Betatron, who are also now our partner or becoming a partner, uh, they, you know, and, and they're pretty strong. So they were playing around the game. Then we thought, okay, let's, let's yeah, yeah. appeal on LinkedIn and on Facebook. And yeah. we say, okay, let's like, you know, but we, our approach was always, we are very proud of what we have done. We have been very undercover. We have never shouted out loud. Mm. We were always highlighting companies we're investing in. But this was an opportunity to tell them we did this. People knew about it peripherally, but then for the first time we came out and like, uh, you know, another gentleman is just coming after this interview and he's our, he calls himself almost a co-founder and he is one of the main guys in IP Bridge, which is a Japanese government fund. Mm -hmm. He gave a shout out and so many other people, you know, who gave a shout out for us on their social media. So I think it was so beautiful to feel that loved you yeah know, absolutely that, that uh, yeah i mean yeah uh, it was a network of networks it effect by the end of yeah, it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah and i think as we say that startup is also you know is, is a we wear a vc suit but our dna is a venture builder mm. and we have a community at heart so it's not about this or that but we have kind of you know an approach which is very community driven mm. and one of the failures if you have to ask of in last three years that we sometime discussed <laughs> nitin and i and we're working on it is that we wanted to help even many more authentic entrepreneurs and uh, we are not able to engage because sheer bandwidth and, you mm -hmm. know, resources that are required. We have identified solid uh, entrepreneurs, but we couldn't engage the way we wanted to, to that extent. And uh, now we are creating a structured alumni program to keep in touch with all these authentic entrepreneurs and bring them back and connect them even with other funds and with other investors beyond our own fund. So that's the approach. I think people like it because yeah. we're bringing transparency and I think we're very honest and everybody's incentives are aligned. 
And uh, this is what I learned from Nitin, especially uh, how to design and align the incentives so that everybody contributes, mm. uh, you know, in, in the most fair manner. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And the results showed. I mean, you know, it, it's 1,364 votes. If you think about it, that that's 1,364 people. People are busy. You know, they could be doing other things with the family or whatever. You know, they could be doing their shopping. But to take the time to register, to vote, it's a good validation of everything that Absolutely. you said. And, you know, the, I think at the end of the day, I mean, you talked about, I mean, in terms we don't often hear people talk about startups, you know, it's beautiful, love and so on. But these are people's lives yes. as well. You know, as a startup founder, when you've got somebody who's got your back and supporting you, it's somebody's life that yes. you're you know, involved with, and you're part of that journey as well. And 1,364 votes is a good validation of that impact that you're having on people. So, so Nathan, I think we have to say a big thank you to uh, everyone. Yeah. Yes, yeah. thank you very much. Uh, uh, humbled. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be possible. I mean, it was absolutely And it was right. nearly not possible Actually. because <laughs> the last over, I think, really was that you came through. So. I still remember the last two hours of the blind voting yeah. session uh, where we didn't know who's going up and down. And people, uh, that was close to midnight on a weekend. Yeah, yeah. And people, were, and I think they voted almost 250, 300 votes in that time. So a big, big thank you. And we are always going to be there for the whole community. So please uh, feel free to reach out anytime. Yeah. Awesome. And with that, it is now time to give you the award. So drum roll. Drum it is a drum roll. <laughs> and I will present you. And here we have the award for Outstanding Contribution to the Startup Ecosystem in Asia 2019. Presenting to, I'm going to give it to you, Anaj, because you're the closest startup her. There you go. Let's get it on the camera. Can yes, we get it on the I camera? I think here. <laughs> Can we get there you go. No. <laughs> we'll have to do one camera, okay. not even three. Right. There you go. I'll just come. So in true, true startup style. Yeah, there, we go. there we go. There you go. Well done, guys. I think it well worked and thoroughly deserved. Perfect. Yeah, it's good. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you so much. And that was a, a lot of fun. But I think there's a serious message behind the fun as well. It's like, you know, anybody that can mobilize a network says something, right? You know, when we get the startups on and we do the startup specific award, right. it's a real validation of that startup. You know, you can have a great product. But if people don't believe in you, then it says a lot, right? Mm, and if you can get a network of thousands of people to get out and, and vote for you, it says something as well. So, I appreciate Well, it. thank you for sharing your stories with in us on Asia Tech Podcast. And thank you for, you know, your time and mobilizing your network. It was a lot of fun. And hopefully, you know, for next year's awards, you'll be there again. <laughs> and you'll well, be more, more prepared this time with everyone to Everybody will be in. There'll be more competition this time. I will take so. a poll of all the community whether they want to vote again on a weekend <laughs> or not. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, absolutely. No, but thank you for the opportunity. No, thank you guys. And um, so this is AsiaNet Podcast, Graham Brown with Nitin and Anuj from Startup O. And we'll put your details in the show notes. I mean, obviously, everybody here knows you who voted for you, but there's a lot of people who are curious right. about what you do and the conversation that we had. People may want to reach out. So absolutely. easiest way is just to maybe through LinkedIn, say yes. hi, like, oh, listen to your podcast, watched it on YouTube and so on. So really interested in what you're doing. Let's connect. Absolutely. Thank Look you very much, Graham. Okay. Thanks, Graham. I appreciate it. Thanks. Excellent. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.